before the ink was dry on the $4 billion check that George Lucas got when he sold the Star Wars franchise to Disney, he had already decided that none of his children would see any of that money. George Lucas is among a growing list of people who want to leave their money where it will leave a mark. Simon Cow, Elton John, Gordon Ramsay, they've all pledged to give their money away to non-profit and community organisations. And legacy giving isn't just for the rich and famous, it's becoming a popular idea among Kiwis too. Dr Claire Routley is one of UK's leading fundraising experts. She's in New Zealand as a guest of the New Zealand Community Foundations Network, which is seeing an increase in Kiwis who want to make a difference where they live after they've died. Dr Claire Routley joins me now. Hi. Hi, Jesse. Thank you for having me. Nice to talk to you. Legacy fundraising, for people who haven't come across it before, is really a whole industry in itself. Can you explain what it is and how big the pursuits of legacy gifts is? Yeah. Well, essentially... um... It's, I suppose, just another way in which people who've been generous to, to charities all of their lives can uh, continue on that, that generosity, even when they're, they're no longer here. So, uh, it's, uh, it's sometimes, uh, I suppose, misconceived as something that's a bit sort of, uh, odd or unusual, but actually it's just, just another way for people to give, really. And, um, quite a bit of competition, no doubt, to, um, to get some of that money from charities. Well, I think the nice thing is actually that, um, I mean, we're very lucky in the UK where I'm from that we've uh, we've got some really good data on what people do. And actually, people on average there will give to, say, three different organisations. So it's actually a really sort of lovely collaborative space in a lot of ways because charities can work together, I suppose, to try and maybe just sort of make the idea of leaving something in a wheel a little, just a little bit more of a sort of social norm. So it's actually, it's a lovely sort of collaborative space. How and why did you get involved so deeply in in fundraising for the charity field? Uh, Slightly accidentally. So I think quite a lot of people do this, actually. They they maybe start doing a bit of volunteer work or, you know, they might work with a charity delivering services, something like that. And then they uh, they, uh, realise that... uh, you know they need they need additional money to run a run a project and sort of end up working on the the fundraising side. So uh, I started working as a as a volunteer actually for a local hospice where my grandfather was mm. a patient, um, and fell in love with it really. And then a yeah, fundraiser happened to leave and I got a job, uh, and that was that. And then uh, I suppose I really loved also trying to understand what it was that drove people to to be generous and to to give their money away to other people rather than, I suppose, just being selfish and spending it completely on themselves. Yeah. Uh, and so I started actually doing some study in that area at the same time. So, um, uh, and as you do, <laughs> ended up doing a, doing a PhD, which was looking specifically at uh, why people chose to, to leave gifts to charity in their wills. What conclusions did you come to? Oh, well, it's fascinating, actually. Well, I'm a bit of a nerd, so I always think these things are fascinating. <laughs> but uh, one, of the, one of the really key things, I think, is that... Uh, when people choose charities to, to remember, it's often a, a reflection of their life history and their life experience. So um, there was there was one man I spoke to, for example, who said uh, he uh, he met his wife in a youth hostel. So he was leaving them some money. Uh, they'd always loved walking together with the Ramblers. So he was leaving them some money. Yeah. And then he said uh, he'd, um, he'd gone deaf in his later years and that had really affected him. So he was leaving some money to deafness research. And it was 
those little moments, I suppose, that had really shaped him into the man that he was today. You know, they, they'd been such pivotal moments in his life mm. and he was choosing to, to sort of reflect those with, a, with gifts to, to various charities. Might be an interesting exercise for listeners to go through to um, to think if they were to give their money away, mm. who it would go to. We tend to think of leaving a legacy donation as something for the Bill Gates and Warren Buffetts of this world, but that's yeah. I'm sure you're keen to uh, to tell us is not the case. No, absolutely not. No, it's something that uh, everyone can do actually. But I think again, it's that. Uh, that point that in a lot of societies, including New Zealand, it's not quite yet a social norm. So for a lot of people, they just kind of go, right, I've got two kids, split all my money, 50-50, down the line, done. And it doesn't even necessarily cross their minds that they could leave you know, just a small proportion of that to charities that have you know, had that uh, real impact on their lives without necessarily actually making a, a huge impact on you know, their children's quality of, of life. I think, you know, if if we all did that, if we all left, a, you know, a relatively small proportion, then actually collectively we could make a really big difference. Is the idea of generational wealth falling out of favour? I'm looking at people like Daniel Craig and Sting, Marie Osmond, haven't heard that name for a while, but they've all, they've all got this in common. They've all said they won't yeah. be leaving their money to their children. Yeah, I think particularly maybe for the super rich. So there's a, there's a really nice quote from Warren Buffett, actually, who says, uh, I want to give my kids enough to do anything, but not enough to do nothing. <laughs> and I guess uh, sometimes <laughs> sometimes for people actually receiving uh, you know, a huge amount of money that they haven't worked for themselves, they haven't earned, that can actually be quite difficult. And I suppose you do see those stories, don't you, of uh, you know, the children of the super rich going a little bit off the rails sometimes when they're, uh, they're landed with these you know, really huge amounts of money mm. that uh, in the case of the very, very super rich, you know, they could never spend even if they wanted to really. So you know, I think for, for people who are very, very wealthy, it's often uh, uh, you know, a really good opportunity to, to give back actually, you know, to kind of give back in thanks to to the, the communities, the world, the causes that, that helped them to, to get where they, they got today. So I think generally people do want to, to pass on money to their, to their kids and, and make sure that they, you know, they have a, a good life. But uh, increasingly, I think there's, there's space for charities there as well. The first hurdle might be getting New Zealanders to write their wills. I think only about half of us have one. Yeah, and it is, you know, it is something that's really um, important to do. You know, if someone does pass away and they don't have a will, then that can be really uh, difficult for those people left behind. You know, it's uh, it's complex. There's a lot of administrative burden. Um, and, you know, you, you pile that on top of somebody who's going through, uh, the you know, the grief of losing a, losing a loved one. So, you know, it's a really, really good idea for people, whatever age really, actually, to, to just have something in place that... Uh, should the worst happen. And, you know, I, I've got a will and I'm, I'm relatively young. And I actually, I wrote it when I was relatively young, actually, but I like to think of it as my rock star will. So that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm driving around in my Ferrari one day, I wish. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but it's just there just in case, you know, that if anything can happen. So I can just kind of rest easy because I know that, uh, that I'm covered, really. You have what you call a golden conversation with potential donors. What does that conversation <laughs> look like? What are you trying to get them to consider? Yeah, and you know, I suppose in a way it sounds odd to say that it's not really about um, you know wills and, and money and that kind of thing. Really, it's uh, it's really just uh, it's amazing actually, and it's you know a lovely conversation to be part of when you sit down with somebody and you just really talk to them about what their uh, 
philanthropic aspirations are? You know, what is the difference that that you'd like to see in the world? And, and then, you know, you can often think about, well, what's what's the best way to do that? And so for some people that might be, uh, you know, giving off their time and volunteering. For some people, it might be about giving a gift now. For some people, it might be about uh, actually, you know, writing a gift into a will because that's the time, I suppose, at which... Uh, you know those those assets that we we're sitting on actually get uh, get realised, and we can we can make a big difference. You know, and for some people, it'll be a combination of all of those things. So it's it's much more about the the future and the hope that uh, that they want to instill. You know, the values that they they have, the difference they want to make. And I think um, increasingly, actually, people want to do that in their local communities. So, you know, it's often our local communities that have, again, very much, you know, made us the people that we are today and supported us through the, the difficult times and been there for the good times, you know, and increasingly, I think we see this in the UK as well, actually, that people do want to have that, that impact locally. Out of interest, is do people who have never had children look at this differently to people who have? Yeah. So um, in, in terms of, you know, the demographics of people that, that choose to uh, leave gifts to charity, it's... Uh, you're much more likely to to do it if you if you don't have children yourself, um, and I think perhaps because it does, or it is more likely to actually get onto the radar of somebody who doesn't have children. So, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I think very often if you've got kids or if you've got two kids, you might think right, two kids, fifty fifty down the middle, and you you don't think much deeper than that sometimes. Whereas I guess if you if you don't have children who would be the very often be seen as the sort of the natural people to leave your money to you know you're forced to to think a little bit more deeply and you know consider some of the different options and so you know I think charity is just much more likely to to sort of just get onto the onto the radar as something that's, that's possible to do. Uh, you are quite keen on um, drawing ethical lines for organizations around asking for <laughs> legacy gifts what should they look like and, yeah. and what are you worried about there? Well, um, I think it's it's really crucial that it is um, it's ultimately up to any individual, you know, what they want to do with their their money. You know, it's absolutely one hundred percent their choice, really, what they what they want to do. Um, but I think sometimes it's almost, I and mean, it sounds like an odd thing to say, but sometimes it's almost unethical not to give people the option. Just let them know that it's a it's a possibility for them so um you know charities have a, an ethical duty really to uh to ask for donations on behalf of the the people that they work with or you know the uh the medical research they do or the animals they support you know whatever those those different causes uh might be um, but of course they do have a a really important duty to their supporters at the same time you know to um to give them choices, to respect their wishes and their boundaries, but actually just that that act of saying, you know, this is something that you could do, I think is uh, it's uh, it, you know it's really important for for charities to to make people aware of that. Actually, can you tell us about the Olive Cook case? What Britain learned from that, and what might have changed since then? Yeah, so um, I mean that was a uh, a case in the UK of um, an older lady who had received uh, a lot, essentially a lot of, sort of charity communications. I mean, she was an incredibly generous person who supported lots of charities. But uh, what happened 
there really, I suppose, was that um, charities were swapping sort of mailing lists amongst themselves. So it meant that, you know, more and more charities were, were sort of getting her details and contacting uh, contacting her. Uh, when she eventually died, there, there were some sort of accusations that it was the sort of the volume of charity communications that had been um, partly responsible for her death, although, you know, her family were uh, very clear that, that that wasn't an issue and actually it didn't come up um, when they did the uh, the investigation into into her death. But I think, as you say, it did teach charities a really important lesson actually about um, making sure again that um, those you know those particular practices of uh, of sort of list swapping uh, were it just wasn't appropriate because it meant that people who were generous were getting sort of more and more communications. Yeah. Um, so the charity sector, I think, took a, a good, long, hard look at itself in terms of, uh, you know, how it communicated with its supporters, um, and there was also a, a fundraising regulator set up in the UK as well, so that uh, there was a there was a sort of independent body really that uh, people could go to to make sure that uh, if they didn't want to be on certain charities' mailing lists, they could get taken off quite easily. And that uh, there was an independent body to investigate any sort of complaints that uh, that rose at the time. Your fundraising standards board estimated she may have received almost three thousand mailings from charities in a single year. Yeah, and um, and I think you know in uh, in New Zealand that that sort of list swapping that we talked about, you know, that that just doesn't happen. Yeah. So um, I think you've managed to uh, uh, you know avoid avoid that issue. Thank goodness. On the positive front, I mean, easy to wa- think of ways in which a legacy gift will positively impact the charity, but there's some um, nice research mm-hmm. into how it impacts the donor as well. Yeah. Essentially, I suppose, there's there's research out there that shows that, you know, the processes that are really associated with um, thinking about uh, gifts in Wales, that, you know, that process of kind of looking back over your life, um, it's actually a really positive one for people. Mm. So um, essentially, that act of looking back over your own life, at its heart, I suppose, it helps us to, to get a sense of meaning. Uh, and that sense of meaning is actually really good for us, again, from a sort of uh, a psychological perspective. So um, it can help us feel better mentally. But then there's also there's also some lovely additional research which shows that uh, when you kind of look forwards as well, and you think about uh, the, you know, the the wisdom, the the legacy, in the wider sense of the word that you want to pass on to the next generation, then um, again, that is really helpful in terms of very similar, I think, helping us to find a, a sense of of meaning. So again, it it's helpful to people again from a sort of uh, a mental health perspective. But uh, in one particular study, it also even showed that it was helpful from um, a physical health hmm. perspective. So people that people that sort of passed on their wisdom to the next generation actually had a blood test show that they had lower levels of pro-inflammatory gene expression. So not being a medic, I'm not uh, completely <laughs> sure what that's. Uh, but ironically, what that means. ironically, the way but, to extend your life might yeah. be to make plans for what you're going to do with your money when you die. Yeah, and actually, there is um, uh, there is a little bit of research that suggests that. Uh, People that that put gifts in their wills to charities live longer, which might I have to admit might partly to be linked to wealth, and you're more, slightly more likely to do, do right, right. a little bit wealthier and <laughs> a little bit 
but I, as a, <laughs> as a, as a researcher, I have to kind of admit that, but there, you know, there is data that links, links the two things. So. Are you willing to tell us who you're going to leave your money to in your rock star will? Oh, <laughs> um, but I haven't, I need to, uh, I need to go and update it actually, because I, I wrote it when I was very young, but uh, yeah, I do sit and sit and think about who's going to go into uh into the next one um and it's definitely uh going to be i think again that hospice that i used to work for because um as i mentioned they cared for my grandfather and they've cared for uh, several other people in my family which has been uh, just been uh, really wonderful um i'd actually really like to leave some money to um fundraisers actually because uh again you know it's been such a sort of core part of part of my life being a fundraiser and I'd love to see you know other people being able to be trained and get some of the the knowledge as well so I'd love to leave some uh, some money for um, a scholarship for fundraisers and I think you know I, I live in a really lovely community actually back in the UK and so I think uh, again my local community foundation would definitely be benefiting from my will. Okay so for anyone who's listening and thinking yeah maybe I will do this where do they start? Um, I think just sometimes kind of sitting down and, you know, as we said, you know, thinking about what's been important to you, what's made a difference to you. Um, again, you know, community foundations can be a really good place to uh, to go to sort of talk through some of these issues, because, um, you know, again, if you really love your local community, then actually community foundations are often really well positioned to understand what some of those um, those needs are within a particular community. So, you know, if you want to make a real impact on something local to you, you can talk to your local community foundation. Um, but again, you know, legal professionals, I think, are really happy to sort of sit down and talk people through the, the wider issues as well when it comes to making sure that, you know, your family is cared for in the very best way pro- possible. Uh, and then also that people are able to, uh, you know, to make a difference to the, to the causes that they care about. You've been to Queenstown. Now you're in Wellington. Have you been encouraged by some of the conversations you've been having with Kiwis? Oh, do you know what? It's been absolutely wonderful to be here in New Zealand. Uh, and I think, you know, it just feels like uh, I was I was in Queenstown, for, I, th- I think, for about 12 hours and I met some uh, some lovely people from uh, the local community there. And I just felt like I was part of a family immediately. It was just it was absolutely wonderful. And I don't know if you've seen the statistic, but apparently um, New Zealand has got the, the highest number of, of charities per capita of huh. any country in the world, which says to me that, you know, Kiwis must be incredibly generous people. Uh, but actually, when you look at the stats around gifts in wills specifically, um, Kiwis are a bit behind Australia and a bit behind UK in terms of the, the proportion of people who do this. So, you know, I'm really encouraged about, I suppose, the, the potential because, you know, Kiwis are just wonderful, warm generous people and I think it probably just hasn't really uh, got on their agendas yet that uh, giving in that way is something they can do. It's real long-term thinking, eh? a donation is immediate, a legacy gift can be Mm. years before it's collected. Do you ever hear of people putting something in their will and then changing their minds? Yeah, I know absolutely and you know again I think charities really understand that so um, you know life changes, you might have uh, new kids born, new grandchildren born, or, you know, again, the the causes that are important to you, you can change over your course of your life. So, again, you know, I suppose health conditions is an obvious one, isn't it? You know, as we as we get a bit older, we might be affected by particular health conditions. So, um, you know, people can change their minds absolutely as they as they go through life, depending on, you know, what really uh, matters to them at the time, I suppose.
Well, thank you for starting this conversation again here in New Zealand. Uh, I've been talking to Dr. Claire Routley, one of the UK's leading fundraising experts, and we've been talking about the idea of leaving a legacy, giving your money to charity or to charitable organisations instead of to your children. Sorry, kids who are listening. Uh, and Dr. Claire Routley, well, thanks well so much as, for your as well time. As. as well as, okay, yeah, we'll settle, we'll meet them halfway. <laughs> Claire, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.